Welcome to Hospitality Forward, a podcast where hospitality and travel professionals learn how to earn the media spotlight. My name is Hannah Lee. I am president of Hannah Lee Communications, an award-winning public relations agency in New York City. And I'm Michael Ann Stendig, a food and beverage writer and editor-in-chief at Hannah Lee Communications. As a PR professional myself and Michael as a journalist, we understand the power of media coverage and its impact on someone's career and business. That's why our agency created this podcast to give back to our beloved hospitality and travel community that's facing incredible challenges during this time. Each week, we interview top journalists who share their insights and tips on how to get featured in their stories. In this episode, we chat with Jackie Gifford, Editor-in-Chief of Travel and Leisure Magazine. Born in Japan and raised in Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and Philadelphia, Jackie has traveled the world extensively. Hi, Jackie. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Welcome aboard. It's so good to see you guys, albeit virtually, but hey, this is the world we're living in, right? Exactly. Absolutely. Gotta embrace it. So Jackie, you've been uh, Editor-in-Chief of Travel and Leisure since 2018. So for our listeners, what does an Editor-in-Chief actually do? And what do you do do on a day-to-day basis? Oh, gosh, that's a very good question. What does an editor-in-chief do? Uh, Well, so I joined TNL in June of 2013. So it's been a little over seven years now. And then I started as editor-in-chief in in November of 2018. So I've held a number of roles at the brand. And I've done everything from edit features and run sections to media appearances. And then when I stepped into this role, I have to say the really interesting thing about it is, you know, you're just you're always on. I think a lot of this job, there's absolutely a glamorous component to it, certainly when you're traveling and meeting people around the world and going to conferences and events. But there's also a very interesting side of it, which is just managing people and being, you know, the boss of a magazine. And you have to work with lots of different people, different personalities, keep the brand running on a very like basic day-to-day level. A lot of the things that I'm doing is just problem solving or answering questions for my team, making sure that our lineups are great. And I work with our executive editor quite closely on that. And, and then obviously working with the publishing side, which is, you know, driving advertising or finding, you know, strategic solutions for our partners, and then continuing to do media appearances, reach out, and also just read. I know that sounds really crazy, but I try to read a lot just to understand what's happening in the world, what's trying and so there's a lot of the job that's, it's less, uh, you know, so it might seem like it's super creative, but at times it's actually not that creative anymore because you're sort of in the day-to-day grind of just producing and, and sort of having everything come together. And so I let my team do a lot of the creative stuff so that I can keep the train moving, so to speak. Wow. You're wearing many hats. Yeah, I guess so. But you know what? I'm a multitasker. I think anybody who's in this role learns pretty quickly that you have to be able to sort of multitask, put out a fire here, put out a fire there, come up with a solution to a problem. Um, but also just you have to be accessible too. Mm-hmm. That's the other part of it. 100%. Yeah. So Jackie, you love travel. And I know your last travel destination was India, which I love, love, love. So with this recent lockdown, are you getting serious cabin fever? 
<laughs> like me? I would say, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think, yes, the answer is yes. I feel like our last big international trip, big, big trip was definitely India. We went over Christmas with my parents, but we haven't, we went to Charleston, South Carolina in the middle of February before everything really shifted. We were there for a long weekend and that was the last time I flew anywhere. I think right now, it's, you know, for a lot of people and our readers too, it feels like it's hard to plan, but, but I'm starting to think like, okay, a year from now, two years from now, where are the places I really want to go? And, and then also I'm going to take a, you know, little weekend trips here in New York state, which is totally safe and, you know, do everything that's according to state and local guidelines, just to feel like I am traveling or seeing something new because that's really how your your mind stays fresh. But I, I obviously haven't traveled abroad mm-hmm. um, since this all began. But look, you got to play the long game. I think anybody who's in hospitality knows that there will be an end to this. We will yes. come out of it. It's just a matter of when. And then, and then you know, travel might look different. That's completely plausible, feasible, all that. But I think we should all we shouldn't keep dreaming. There will be other trips to take, you know, down the line. Agree. So, what do you miss most about travel? Oh gosh, I miss I miss everything about it. You know, even boarding a plane, you know, the sort of stepping onto a plane and feeling like you're going somewhere and you know, there's there's so much that I miss about it. I miss staying in hotels and sort of talking to people. I miss arts and culture and you know, going to a museum. I miss everything. Um there's not one part of it I don't miss. I think, you know, there's some things that I I wish I had done even in the last year. It's I thought about it when with India we rushed home and we missed staying New Year's Eve in Mumbai. And I really regret, I don't know why we didn't do that. I felt uh, like we had to get, I had to get home for work, but the reality was we probably should have just stayed the extra night. And my husband and I could have had a cool celebration and New Year's, a uh, New Year's Eve, you know, back then, and you know, that's when we could all gather and have a party. And right. so I'm kind of kicking myself that we didn't do that. I think I'm going to try and say yes to more things going forward and not stress, stress about the small stuff. That's a great approach to life in general. Yes. Yeah, you have to be that way, I think, at this point. So we could really imagine that coronavirus obviously has affected the content of the magazine since travel has been so curtailed as of late. So how are you approaching what's really this seismic change? And what kind of stories are you going to be working on in in the next six months? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think well, we're still publishing the magazine, which um, you know we're the only monthly travel magazine in the United States. We were that was the case before this all started, and we've continued to publish. So I think, I mean, the honest answer is we are trying our best to keep up with the times, knowing that the conversation shifts every day. So, for example, you know, we were living in New York, the epicenter of the virus, that shifted to Miami. So you have to sort of think ahead, but you also can't. I think you have to give our audience gives us the credit and knows that like this is such a fast developing situation that like you can't publishing, for example, in the magazine an update on the rules and regulations and state closures and this and that seems like a hopeless exercise because it changes so fast. Right. Like if I was just to, to who knows what will be in the month from now. So I think what we're trying to do is just give them inspirational tools for the future, because the print magazine that people you know, they save it for a really long time and then they eventually take the trip. So we're doing some really smart stories. Like when we left the office in mid-March and then we had to close in magazine in mid-April, we figured, okay, national parks, they're 
always popular with our readers. I bet once this sort of people start to come out of lockdown, they're going to want to go to parks. And sure enough, that was true. So we published a story on like how best to see the national parks. Um, and then, for example, you know, we did our world's best awards and we, you know, acknowledged the fact that the, and that's our reader survey annual, you know, edition always comes out in August. This year it was the 25th um, edition of it. And we knew that eventually our readers are going to want to travel. The survey closed in March before the pandemic started. So we put a disclaimer at the top that said, look, like some of these businesses might be closed, but we know that you voted for them before the pandemic started and shouldn't negate all the the accomplishments of these amazing brands. Use this as an inspirational tool for the future. And then with our digital presence, we're able to keep people up to date with everything from, okay, this destination in the Caribbean is requiring a COVID test, or this is how it's, you know, this is what flying is really like right now, because that's really the digital tool. The tool of digital is to tell you what's happening by the minute. And Mm -hmm. so we're able to do that. And you're kind of, kind of straddling both worlds, which is what we were frankly doing before. Um, It's just even more so now there's more of a news, I would say news hook, news angle to travelnature.com than ever before. Yeah, very true. Congratulations again, 25th issue. That's incredible. 25th. Yeah, that was a big deal. 25th anniversary of World's Best. And then Travel and Leisure turns 50 next year as a brand, which is kind of amazing. Congratulations. Well, you guys yeah. are aging beautifully, just like a Thank fine you. wine. <laughs> 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 totally. I mean, it's one of my favorite issue of the year. So I look forward to it. And I like, keep this issue for a long, long time. Oh, just make great. you feel dream, um, you know, place to go. Yeah. So looking at next year. If this pandemic situation continues until early next year, how are we going to go about the world best issue 2021? Well, we have, um, that's a good question. We, you know, we ask readers to give their experiences over the past three years. Mm-hmm. So there's still plenty of time to, to rate. And look, let's be honest, people are still traveling right now. So, you know, there's, they're traveling domestically. Some hotels domestically will tell you that this is the best season they've ever had. Mm-hmm. So our readers are doing trips. They may not be the same trips they did before, but I don't doubt that, that we'll still be able to have the survey. We're planning on having the survey and maybe the results will look a little bit different this year. You know, traditionally we've had a lot of hotels abroad, um, you know, in Asia in particular rank really high on the top 100 list. Well, maybe people aren't traveling to Asia, maybe we'll have more domestic hotels rank higher. I don't know Mm -hmm. who knows what the world, you know, you just don't know, but we're still going to, move forward and, and, you know, give our readers the space to, to vote. A lot of times, you know, they're, I think, you know, they're drawing on vast amounts of experience with traveling. They, our readers take seven leisure trips a year. So we, we've still got plenty of time and, and then, and look, let's be honest, things will get better. Yes, so agree. Um, they will. They no will. question. They will. No question. Yeah. So obviously the economy has been affected as well. How do you think that's going to affect travel and you know, knowing that things have been shifting, is it going to change the kinds of stories or the kinds of places that you feature? Yeah, I mean, I, look, the, there's no doubt that the economy has been impacted. And frankly, it's ma- mainly, you know, a lot of the job, the job loss, sadly, has been in the hospitality industry, whether it's restaurants or hotels, you know, one in 10, one in 10 jobs around the world is powered or powered by travel and tourism. So um, as far as uh, affecting the content of the magazine, 
you know, we've always presented a fair amount of, you know, we're a luxury brand and, and, and we cover luxury hospitality, but we've also, you know, a lot of the hotels that we cover aren't necessarily super expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've always had that approach where we have make sure that we have a mix of affordable things, high end things, because that's just the way that every, you know, people who travel, sometimes they splurge on a fancy dinner, but they'll decide to save on the hotel. Right. So it's just, we make sure to have things balanced, but I would say like, when you look at what people spend and it's still too soon to tell, but I don't doubt that when we come out of this, people will, will spend whatever discretionary income they do have. If they're fortunate enough to have some, they'll still continue to spend it on travel. I don't think they're going to stop spending on on travel because it's still an experience and they are, there's going to be a lot of pent up demand too. So people will have been locked down for a while or not been able to go anywhere, you know? And so when they do go out, I think they're like, gosh, this is like, why did I wait to take this, this trip? This was, you know, my bucket list, amazing trip I wanted to do for years. Why shouldn't I do it now? So I think there's, you know, there's, there's going to be an interesting stuff still to, still to come, still to play out. But, but again, I don't doubt that people will spend money on travel when, when they're able to. Yeah. But I think also in the meantime, I feel like a lot of people will be traveling locally. They will mm-hmm. explore their neighbor cities. Yeah. yeah. Road trips. Yeah. I'm doing, you know, in New York city where, you know, outdoor dining is open now. And so my husband and I try to do a few nights out a week just to help our neighborhood and our neighborhood businesses. Cause we love them or the botanical garden is going to open. Okay. Well then why why don't we go up and see that and help that out or the museum, you know, so people they're there, they won't be able to go as far afield, but I don't doubt that they'll want to support what they can mm-hmm. in their local area. Yeah, sure. So we want to talk to you about storytelling. Mm-hmm. So what makes a great travel and leisure story? And if you can walk us through a process of bringing a story to life from start to finish. Sometimes it starts with our editors and like getting intel or information on the ground about news trends. And then we'll say, hey, this writer might, you know, this writer lives in this area. Why don't we have them tell the story or same thing with a photographer or most probably most times it's a writer who comes up with an idea. Um, Again, looking to trends, news information, and then comes to us and says, you know, this is what I'd like to report. And then we get a green light. Obviously, we, we don't want the story to have been told elsewhere um, first, because then it doesn't feel like it's a, an exclusive experience or story. And then we'll move forward with getting, you know, getting the writer there, getting them, um, getting them into places if they need our help. Oftentimes they don't because they know they have contacts on the ground. Um, and then we, we end up shooting, shooting the story, you know, before this all happened, a lot of times we would have the writer and photographer, if it made sense, travel together. Mm. So if it was a particularly far flung trip and we couldn't get, two separate individuals there, we'd have them travel together. And oftentimes the story could take almost a year, year and a half to develop between like doing the trip and then running it. Um, it just depends upon a variety of factors. And, you know, we have various sections in the magazine and some, some are more news and informational pieces and some are the longer, more, you know, narrative feature, feature style stories that, that take a little bit more time to get off the ground. How often do you have editorial meeting? I mean, do you Zoom with everybody? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, now it's, it, you know, we have meetings at least once or twice a week just to stay in touch with everybody. And I do individual check-ins. I see my team on a weekly meeting. There's all sorts of ways that we, we're meeting and talking right now. It's, you know, it's, and, and that it's kind of the same as how it was in the office. It's just virtually now. 
And you know what? It's working fine. It is People effective. Productive. For the most part, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so quick question. what What's the best way for our listeners to pitch your writers and editors? Um, I mean, I always tell people to look at the masthead um, and, and study the masthead of TNL. And then we have different sections in the book. And at the top of each section, there's a section editor. So people know who to reach out to. Um, that's, you know, the best information I can, I can give right now. Um, we're trying to work on even like giving more um, frank pitching guidelines in the future. But I think the really the, the best way forward is to look at the masthead because you kind of know, and if you're a writer or a photographer, you sort of know based upon titles and, and what sections, again, what each section, there's discoveries, experiences, intelligent traveler, and then the future well, you know, the future well is edited by our features editor. So most people who are in the business kind of know those those rules, or I don't want to say rules, but the sort of guidelines, the general guidelines for how to pitch a, a magazine. Speaking about guidelines, do you have like three do's and three don'ts Oh, for well, making it into yeah. travel and leisure? Um, well, I would just say the general rule, I think a good thing, you know, is why is it a good fit for our brand versus, you know, there's so many, there are different travel outlets out there. And so hopefully the the writer or the photographer reads the magazine and, and, and our site and understands the kinds of stories we want to tell and then make sure that the angle feels fresh and exclusive to us. You know, sometimes I feel like um, it doesn't happen often, but you'd be surprised by how many times somebody will pitch you something and they've already pitched it to somebody else and or you've seen the story in another outlet. So you can't really run something that somebody else has done. Makes sense. Okay, so we want to talk to you about Let's Go Together, the yeah. podcast. I love the name. Mm -hmm. So how do you approach the storytelling? Could our listeners pitch with your story? Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we just had one season so far of the podcast. So hopefully there'll be a second season. So I, um, we, um, we understand there's been a great response, because it's, it was really, you know, it was very relevant to the times, it's something we've been working on for quite for actually a long time, but we just got the official green light to record it in January. And we're, we're hoping there's a season two, but we haven't, we haven't gotten there yet. So we're not taking pitches yet. But I think in general, you know, we're, we're just really, I just really want to encourage more people to, to listen to it first. And just understand who the guests are and, and their stories and just listen. That's really the, the, the thing that I'm most concerned about right now. Great. Okay. okay. And now it's time for the listener question segment of the show. Uh, we have a question from Tetsuro Miyazaki, general manager of Ichigo USA, which is one of Japan's leading shochu producers. Hmm. So with the Tokyo Olympics coming up next summer, when will travel and leisure begin coverage? And will the coverage include dining and drinking? That's a good question. We just, so we did a whole Tokyo um, shopping package, which ran in April because that was sort of in advance of the Olympics. And right. so giving people a whole idea of where to shop and there were some dining recommendations there too. Um, we are looking to do more Japan edit uh, I can't tell you what that looks like right at the moment, but don't get me wrong. Like we love Japan. Our readers love Japan. So we're going to start to, to think about now that things there are a little bit more stable, what, what sorts of stories that we're going to tell for the future. But we've got, I mean, we've got a little bit of time. So that's the good thing. Um, and you know, we're, we're still continuing to cover restaurant spirits, any sort of, you know, food. I know it looks different than what it did before, but, but again, we're just watching. And as the situation's evolving, we're, we're making tweaks to our calendar, but just Japan is always on our radar because our readers really love it. And you were born in Japan, right? I was, yes. I was born in Yokohama. I was born there um, and lived there for two years. Then I moved away and then I moved back there for another two years And uh, in, when I was a teenager. Do you speak Japanese? 
I don't, sadly, uh, we didn't live there long enough so that I kind of get a, in a consistent groove with it. But, um, but who knows, maybe look with all this time on my hands, I should say that time on my hands or never been working harder, but maybe, um, I can try and take, um, some language lessons at home. Yeah. Are you planning to attend the Olympics next year? Gosh, I would love to, it would have been, it would have been a dream. Um, it's been a dream for me to stay at the Hoshinoya in Tokyo, which won for our world's, but yes. in the world's words uh. this year, I had friends stay there and they raved about it and we were hoping to get a crew to the Olympics staying at Hoshinoya. I was hoping I could go, but obviously things changed. Mm -hmm. So the world had other plans for us. But something to look forward to. Yeah. So we call our podcast Hospitality Forward because we're optimistic about the industry. Mm -hmm. So what what kind of innovations are you seeing or hearing about that uh, you think travel destinations or people in the hotel and travel industry should be adopting to help move hospitality forward? I think, you know, we'll, we'll have to see, there's still so much that's, that's changing and happening in the ground, but I think everything from the simple things, right. From the plexiglass at check-in to, you know, thermal scanning to, um, you know, perhaps rapid blood tests, who knows? I feel like I, I haven't, I mean, I, I read about, so I guess the interesting question is I read about all of these things, but I, it's still so new, frankly, that nobody's, tested it out on a regular enough basis to sort of know what the real impact is and whether or not it's meaningful yet. Um, you know, like I, I know, for example, Bermuda as a destination, right, you have to, you do a COVID test, um, you submit your paperwork, I believe it's seven days in advance. Then when you're on the ground, you do an instant test, you quarantine in your room for eight, your hotel room for eight hours until you get the results back. Then if you're, depending on how long you're staying, they will come back and make you do it. You have to do another COVID test. It's mm -hmm. three, seven, and 14 days. That to me seems pretty comprehensive in terms of like a destination expecting follow-up from the visitor. So it's not just like one and done when you walk in that you continue, they continue to monitor. That seems like a fairly comprehensive plan. Um, but, who, you know, again, like it's, I haven't done that yet personally. So I think we just have to watch and monitor. And then, you know, everything from, again, like Emirates Airlines started doing that, um, you know, they were doing the, the blood test, right? I just don't, I have, again, I haven't done it. No one's done it enough to know what's going to really hold and what's going to really stick. I mean, every hotel has gone th and every airline is going through rigorous cleaning processes. I think that's something our readers just expect coming out of this. Uh, and for most, for, for, for many properties, I, I guess it seems to be working. And maybe like, look, when it comes to restaurants, maybe we should think about in the wintertime doing heat lamps all throughout New York City and doing more outdoor dining. I don't know that that could work. Um, do do more outdoor events in a socially distanced way? Like if eventually when we all want to go back to stadiums, is there is there a rapid blood test that you could execute and do on uh, at scale. A lot of this, I think, is really about what's going to be scalable True. if you're looking at for, for, for large groups and things of that sort. And hopefully we'll have the vaccine sometime soon. Or we'll have the vaccine. And then, and then maybe, you know, some of these changes or behaviors might go back to a more normal way. I just don't, none of us really know. Sadly, I wish I did. I wish I had all the answers. I know. So if you have to choose one overseas destination, for your first travel after a pandemic, where would that be? 
Well, I have to say, I, you know, I mentioned Bermuda before. I would do Bermuda because it's close, but also because we have friends there and it, the beaches are beautiful. I think I'd rather, I'd like to sit on a beach for a little bit. Um, so I just haven't, I, my son's passport is sadly expired, so I can't, we are, we're grounded oh. really, but, um, but that would probably be my first choice. Oh, sounds like a dream. Yeah. So let's keep dreaming. Keep dreaming. So where, where can our listeners find you? You can find me um, on Instagram at Jackie Giff. Uh, that's where I, I do most of my posts these days and checking in um, just to say hi to, to my friends and followers. Um, but um, yeah, so you can find me there. Thanks, Jackie, for being on the show. And we hope to see you in the city sometime soon and celebrate our industry together. Thank you. Who wants to travel? We do. We can all dream about packing our bags and hopping on planes to exciting destinations. So get ready to share your expertise on all things travel. Learn the tip for an insight? Then please subscribe to our podcast and recommend it to your friends. We'd be delighted if you'd review it on Apple Podcasts. In our next episode, we'll interview Rachel King of Fortune Magazine, who covers books, business, hospitality, travel, and more. Tune in to listen to this versatile writer and learn how to get featured in this iconic publication. See you next week. Until then, join us as we move hospitality forward together.